And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgans, founder of Marknology. Here is today's host of Startup Hustle. We're going to be covering all things Amazon, e-com, inventory, supply chain. Uh, we're going to be getting into the details today. Before I introduce today's guest, shout out to our sponsor, Fullscale.io. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has a platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io. Io to learn more. Today's guest is a founder of a company called So Stocked, and I'm super excited to get into her story. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, where are you? Um, where's home for you right now? I'm in Austin, Texas. Okay, I love it. More and more uh, founders, entrepreneurs, I guess Amazon sellers. I'm getting to know in Austin and, and based in Kansas City myself. Um, Austin's a lot closer than, let's say, New York or Miami or some of the other hubs. So yeah, uh, exactly. that's super, super cool. I just met Kevin King, had him on the podcast, another Austin <laughs> uh, native, and then Joey, Joey and Jamie. Um, yeah, I met yeah. them on, met them recently. So the, my Austin crew is growing a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, we're working on getting uh, groups together more often. Because there's a lot of people out here, but there's no one pulling the community together. So we're hoping to be able to, I'm working with Joey and then um, Erica, who runs marketing at Carbon 6. And we're, we're working on having more regular meetups. Awesome. I was there for the Q4 kickoff party uh, there, and it was a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun. I was just surprised to just see that big of a turnout um, in a community. To me, that's as close to home as a, as a bigger Amazon community that I've seen. So it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's get into your story a little bit. Tell me, um, obviously, founder of So Stocked, uh, along with some uh, some co-founders, I believe. But talk to me about like um, yourself even before that. Like, did you always know that you were going to be a founder, or an entrepreneur, or a businesswoman? Um, mm -hmm. Where did your journey start? Yeah, um, that's a funny story. Um, <laughs> did I always know? Because uh, when I was, we'll go way back. When I was eight years old, my mom told me this story later on. But when I was eight years old. Um, my mom was a, she, she was a, a business owner. She had her own school. First it was a daycare. Then it was her own school. My dad had a copy, um, a copy graphic store. And so at eight years old, my mom was talking to me about something. Um, oh, well, when you have kids, you know, and she started saying something and I'm like, well, what do you mean? She says, well, you know, when you have your own kids. And I said, well, I'm not going to have kids. She's like, oh, well, why not? He said, who will take care of them? I want to be working. And like, that was like the start of like, you know, my entrepreneurial, you know, we did lemonade stands, we sold, you know, grew and sold vegetables. I tried to have a school store. So it was always things that I was doing to try to have some sort of a business. So I love that. I love that. I think, um, 
I didn't know so early I didn't want kids, but I definitely like have always worked two or three hustles or side jobs or like there was no other way. It was like a resource scarcity. So I was like always trying to gather more, you know, um, yeah. were you, were you, is home Austin from even childhood? Um, Los Angeles, born and raised okay. Los Angeles. Yeah. So you were selling lemonade, uh, in LA. I like that. You're going, yeah. going high market. No, it's a place to grow up. And I think you get exposed to a lot more, a lot faster lifestyle and, you know, you're just seeing everything. Um, okay. Yeah. So you knew early on, you're like, I'm going to be a businesswoman. I'm going to run a business. Like what, what happened there? Did you go straight into college and, and pursuing it that way? Or did you go a different route? Yeah. Um, sort of. I, I went to film school of all okay. things. Um, I've always wanted to write. So it was always, I wanted to write, but I also wanted to, you know, be a business owner. And so I went to film school. I went for a screenwriting class and then ended up going into film school. Um, that led to a production company and, you know, uh, fear of, I think it was more fear of success. I was afraid of what I didn't know and that I would make a bunch of money and then owe a bunch of taxes or something like that. So I really kind of held myself back. Um, but that was kind of the first, the first foray into everything seems to always turn into some sort of a business, you know, and that was kind of, I, every now and then I would go back into, you know, a job, but I would constantly pull myself back into something uh, business oriented. It'd be like doing something, let's say hobby or pursuing side hustle and it would get bigger. It'd get, just get mm -hmm. bigger and turn into a thing. Okay. Yeah. So you said you went to film school, mm -hmm. you got out, that turned into production. Um, was that like your own production, like a smaller production company or did you join a production company? Yeah. Um, I, we created a production company and it was very, you know, low budget production, uh, we do music videos and then we were writing our own scripts. So we would produce our own. Uh, we produced a, a trailer to one of the scripts that we were trying to sell, which was based on Edgar Allan Poe. And, you know, so it's period piece. That was probably the biggest production that we produced. Um, and then we would do do work for others and then get our production company name put onto the film. Yeah, I love it. I um, Before I got into e-commerce I was uh in a band full-time touring and and uh not production but in a way you're you're setting you know you're coming into town you're setting everything up you're getting the lights ready it's a whole thing it was a whole thing you know tear it down go to the next one and um I absolutely loved it and didn't really know that that was my first I guess attempt at building a brand and my okay. first like attempt at understanding booking shows and creative and being on brand and um from album art to apparel to you know, yeah. everything we were doing was all about trying to make it um, and make it cohesive. And then you're getting the labels to tell you uh, we're doing showcases and the labels would be like, well, you know, we're really looking for a brand that's like this or like that, that has this look or um, and what were negatives at that time really set, I think, some of my baseline for like branding and things like that, uh, yeah. which, like kind of getting guided and failing. Mm -hmm. that. OK, so. You go back into work, like, was it always in production and video, like up until, you know, I guess you, before yeah. we get here, I need you to help me make that, make that journey. Yeah. Yeah. It actually, um, so in film, I was always, uh, on the producer side of things. I thought I wanted to be a director, but I gravitated more toward producing production management, assistant direction. So just running teams and doing all the organization, I'd take a whole script and break it down for every single element that was needed. Um, and so that side of things, there's a, an analytical, you know, not just creative, but a very strong anal analytical side of me. When I ended up leaving, I got really burnt out. I went into uh, a, 
a friend of my, uh, the family has a financial management firm. So I ended up going and working at the financial management firm, uh, managing the, uh, the finances for some, you know, lesser celebrities, uh, directors and, you know, photographers. And that really got me into, you know, spreadsheets and numbers and, you know, profit and all of that side. Let's see how it's all coming together. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's how that, that whole side started. You know, I, I, I conquered my fear of taxes there. I had brought that fear of taxes, you know, from, um, from the film side of things. So I con conquered that fear and there was a moment there cause you have these celebrities and you have, you know, actors and that, and you're, and you're looking, you go, what's, what's so great about them? What's so great about that person? They're, you know, kind of, they're not like, the, the cream of the crop or whatever. And I came in with a very kind of jaded view and a jaded attitude because I had not made the film thing happen. And I find, and I realized, I go, you know what? The only thing that's different between you and them is that they did something that you didn't do. And that was a huge like shift in that I no longer had to be, you know, mad or upset at anyone else that I needed to do something and, and do it consistently on the same course to be able to make something happen. It's like a light bulb of ownership. Like yeah. Accountability. Exactly. Yeah. I, lo I love that. And I can definitely relate to, um, you know, I don't know what the source of like your taxes fear was, you know, but a lot of times it can be family or like seeing mom and dad struggle about taxes or a mm -hmm. best friend or something like that. And then, you know, for me, um, I come from a missionary family, uh, grew up abroad once we were back here in the US, like I was 16. At that point, um, we were, you know, family of five on like 30k a year, probably if I'm being conservative. Um, and you know, you just you're pinching pennies, you're like, everyone's saving their bucks, like, you know, mowing lawns. And um, for me as a business owner now, uh, with Marknology and everything else we do, it, there was tons of lessons of um, like scarcity. Uh -huh. scarcity mindset type of thinking like around money and finance and just like okay uh can i be the first morgans that's like really good with finances or like you know setting kind of breaking some of those barriers yeah. uh, we we were good at finances as a family because we gave it all away to other people uh, <laughs> yeah. missionaries do right but what about keeping it what about like is that going to corrupt me is that going to turn me uh, you know into a certain thing a different person than what i am and always having these like everyone has their own challenges you know but for me, it was definitely around finance. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until my lesson in that, just to share, was um, I went to, I was always okay with my own budget. Like, just because I, you know, self-serve, get on your, get by on your own, plan for six weeks of tour and be able to come back and work. And like, but that was much smaller potatoes, you know? Yeah. And um, it wasn't until I went to uh, a business accelerator in Babson College, uh, I got accepted in this business accelerator and you got like these individual crash course days where you're looking at your business marknology or whatever, uh, like all as a group and a smaller group, but like with a teacher and you get like eight hours of CFO type of thinking and, and building out plans. And I really came back from that with just like this, like, I guess, ownership, this acceptance of just like, look, the finances are mine to own. Um, I need to have the, maybe I'm intimidated by the conversation with the CPA or intimidated uh -huh. by the conversation with the bookkeeper. Not that I couldn't do it, but more so hadn't done it. 
and I hadn't made those asks because I was insecure about something. You know, hey, I don't understand this terminology or I don't understand this balance sheet or I don't understand whatever, you know, but once I just took that on um, to be like, you know what, I can be good at this if I want to be good at this. And uh, it's changed. It's changed a lot in my business um, probably the last three years or so, uh, just owning that piece. Yeah. Okay, so. And these are what the lessons are for, right? So you've got the ability to project manage and break a project down, almost like an engineer. Uh Uh, Then you've got the ability to manage profit and loss and budgets and um, timelines. And uh, so if anyone's listening, like she's the founder of So Stocked, and we're going to get into like, you know, exactly what that is. But I'm seeing the pieces kind of coming together and being like, you know, the perfect fit to make a company like this come to life. Uh Um, So after you've kind of like been like, look, I'm going to stop comparing myself to these like celebrities or athletes, whatever. I'm going to stop comparing and I'm going to just do, uh-huh. uh, what, what was your thinking or what came after that? Yeah. Um, so we had done a couple of, um, multi-level marketing things and we weren't really happy with that. Um, we had friends, we were visiting friends and trying to sell them, you know, on whatever we were selling at the time. And so they who's said, we? You keep saying we. Okay. <laughs> my husband and I. My husband and I have always been in business together since, um, you know, since 2014, really. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, we, we were talking to them and um, we kept hearing, you know, that sounds great, but all my money is going into this course called Amazing Selling Machine that's about to open up. Uh, talk, kept, kept talking to friends. One of our friends was making 60000 a month no experience whatsoever. Uh, and we thought, well, that sounds a lot better than what we are doing. And um, so we wanted to buy, we finally made the decision, okay, we're going to get the course. And they had closed the door. It was one of these, you know, every, twice a year, they, they open the door, then they close it. And so the door was closed and we decided to look for other ways to sell on Amazon. We thought, okay, well, let's, you know, we ended up falling into retail arbitrage. Um, we never ended up sending anything in. I kept, we kept, we scanned things and then, you know, the scanner was set wrong and they were not profitable. And I thought this can't be what people are doing to make $60,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Um, so as luck would have it, one of the people that we were talking to who was selling the courses, she was affiliating the courses. She ended up getting someone who wanted to refund and talk to the course creators and asked, can I just sell it to someone else? So we took uh, $3,000 and without seeing what this thing was, we didn't know what private label was. We didn't know the concept. We hadn't seen a video or a demo or anything. We sent $3,000 via PayPal to someone across the country that we never met and uh, got access to the course and then watched the course and learned what private label was. And I was like, this is brilliant. So that was kind of how we got into Amazon. 2014 was okay. kind of, you know, taking a course. Yeah. So... Uh, that was when I started Marknology for con- for context. Uh-huh. Uh, I've been selling on Amazon or Ecom for 12 years, but like 2014 mm-hmm. was the birth of Marknology. So we've been kind of at it about the same amount of time. Yeah. Um, and that was like anyone that's been there since then, we have a certain level of context, like automatically. Uh-huh. We, we understand how it's changed and grown and, and you don't have to explain any of that. Uh-huh. Um, so you're you're in the course, you dive in, you just jump in. Uh, it sounds like you and your husband are risk takers for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so you jump in and uh, you hadn't like sent pro- product in for retail arbitrage, but you were kind of understanding the process and seller central and scanning and understanding profits. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened after the course? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so we um, we had a little bit of advanced. They would release an epi- uh, a module a week, and so we had a little bit of advanced um, runway to catch up on. And we got a product, um, our first sale in seven weeks. We got from the point that we got the access to the course to the point that we launched our, our first product was seven weeks. We That's yeah, fast. It was fast because we thought we were behind. So we were rushing. And then um, we made our first sale before the inventory even arrived because you know, you're told at the beginning, back in the day, you know, you would turn on the FBM, get people to write reviews. You know, we literally went and took the product to people's houses and said, okay, good. Now write me a review. And, you know, and back in the day when you could do that. So we sold um, a couple of units before we even, you know, had inventory. So we had to handle that, make sure the inventory went out. And it just, it took off. We, you know, we started making money, became our best selling product, just you know, pretty immediately. Uh, I think it was, had a lot to do with timing. The product was right. The product was hot and, um, we were better at copywriting. You know, I had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that background as a, as a writer. So, uh, we just out marketed, you know, back in the day when you could just launch whatever everyone else had and just out market them. So, yeah. uh, so that went well for us. Still trying to do that today. <laughs> if I'm that line. Yeah. Uh, but at that time, you're right. It was at least 2014 was pre PPC. So it wasn't even about advertising. It was about like, you know, having a good product. And back then, uh, a lot of them had one image or no descriptions at all. And, and, and a lot of sellers would argue that didn't need SEO. It was really just reviews and giveaways that like got products going, mm-hmm. which is, I think is a combination of all of the above. Just they were weighted differently. Yeah. As importance. Um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, okay. So you guys are off to the races. You're selling, um, you're just jumping in. Um, did you run into some hurdles or like, you know, I'm, I'm, I wanted to understand how, how like kind of this began to start forming in your mind about helping in regards to inventory and stock and really improving that. Yeah. So, um, we were helping people in other ways already. We, uh, within our community, we had a lot of friends join and then friends of friends. And so we kind of built up a reputation uh, for helping people. We started, you know, affiliating for the course. We worked for, I don't know if you remember Ryan Moran, he's still around, not as much on Amazon. Uh, he ended up, he, he's, um, he started out with Amazing Selling Machine, but he ended up building his own stuff. Capitalism.com is his website. And he brought us in as some of the first mentors for his his group. So that kind of started out with us just really helping out a lot of people. I spoke a lot about copywriting back then. I still have a copywriting agency on the heels of that. Um, But it was really looking at my own business. We had stocked out a couple of times in 2017. We made a bad move in in terms of... uh, a purchase of a bunch of inventory that was uh, essentially it was on, it was it was a child listing of our best seller and Amazon unspun them and they wouldn't let us spin them back together and so we had all this inventory overstock and I just saw the profit margins really suffering because of the overstock and the stock out so went and I looked for a tool um, back in 2018 and there were. There were a few out there, but none of them really worked the way that I thought they should. So no, it's okay to say it's okay to say whatever you want on this show. So uh, I think that's where like a lot of the trust comes in. It's like you know, not just speaking from 
oh, this is the way it is. But like, you know, I'm definitely a consultant, a team that's tried so many things out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even a lot of the Carbon 6 family, which, you know, for anyone listening, so stocks is part of the Carbon 6 family of tools. Um, uh, a lot of those tools managed by stats or uh, these were friends uh, in the industry, colleagues that built tools that I had tried. I've tried in the past. I've used. Um, so speaking to that, like uh, at least as an agency owner, there were like tools for sellers and then there's agency tools is a whole nother thing. Um, and a lot of these conversations, I feel like you had to be really good at Excel, really good at uh, pulling four or five reports together and coming up with like, um, you know, where your inventory is, what you're doing, uh-huh. pro- profitability being one of those big things. And we all know that profitability, a big part of profitability comes down to the warehouse and uh-huh. supply chain and, and how efficient that's going. Um, so you tried a couple of the tools out there uh, for me, and I'll speak to it, was the tools are only so good. We ran into hiccups, if I can remember right, for, for a lot of our sellers around FBM and FBA. Uh-huh. Um, and it essentially not accounting for both or doing both correctly, which um, almost every brand that we work with, I'm trying to get them to be an FBA and FBM in case anything happens, right? Uh-huh. You want to be able to pivot or, or your three pack is an FBM back then or different things. Uh-huh. Um, and the tools were limiting in that way. Um, so you're, you're trying to solve for some of the, um, issues you came into in 2017. You're trying some of the tools. Uh-huh. They're just not working. And you're like, well, I'm going to add developer to the list. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, more or less, I I wanted to kind of start to prove out the concept because I felt like I had an issue and I was looking for a solution. And I kept asking people. I had, you know, uh, a couple of different masterminds that I was a part of. And, you know, these are, you know, decent sized sellers. We're not talking about beginners asking, you know, what are you using to see if there's something out there? And they kept saying, you know, we've tried everything. It all sucks. We're back to spreadsheets. And for me, especially wanting to really gravitating more towards helping people and working with people, I was getting, you know, kind of um, bored of just running a brand on my own. I'm really, uh, I really enjoy, you know, the the collaboration. Yeah, Mm, absolutely. And so I thought, well, if, if everyone's, you know, everyone's unhappy with this and there's no product out there that's doing, I think that I know what we should be doing. I think I have an idea of what's missing here. Uh, a big piece of what was missing was that tools did not, they took past data from Amazon, but they didn't allow you to know what was going into the algorithm. They didn't let you customize anything and they didn't let you put your marketing plans into your inventory plans. So those were the three major pieces that weren't being done right, which is, you know, where I kind of came in and said, I think that, I think that we can do something here. Okay. Well, I have some questions for that. Those, those three things that you just brought up before we do finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, we can build a software team quickly and affordably use the full scale platform to find your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So, you know, a big topic this year is, uh, in 2023 is like, uh, restock limits and, and, um, you know, pulling out excess inventory fees going up and all that kind of stuff. But before we jump into that, so is it's 
you know, kind of common status quo. I want to talk about these things that you saw that were missing in, mm -hmm. in the software yep. um, that you saw as an opportunity. Talk to me about building marketing into your um, your inventory plans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's one of those uh, those variables you say, you know, there's the science of inventory and then there's the art of inventory. And if you don't have your marketing plans built in, you can end up stocking yourself out. Uh, before restock limits are the number one way that people did stock out was doing, you know, going to some event or, or finding something on online and doing something uh, to tweak their, their marketing strategy, it going really well. And then their burn rate just being so fast that they were not able to stay in stock. Yep. So that was very common. And so uh, something to bring, something to add here, I think that's huge is um, as an agency, we get hired by brands to manage their their amazon marketplace but we work hand in hand with the d2c team the facebook team the pr team the influencers themselves uh you know everything they're doing in retail and uh you know so many times we would come across a brand that would like do a serious fm commercial or, or a tv spot or get featured on some oprah list or you know something like that happen us not be uh, up to date or told what was going to happen sometimes because it was happening randomly other times because it was like well the teams just weren't talking because it's not in our scope of work to communicate with your d2c partner uh -huh. um, and we would just sell through inventory right which is like um and then you know they're on they're saying well what's going on guys we're missing our opportunity to sell 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 and you're like we had no idea this this uh tornado was coming so to speak and, and so i can just really attest to that being um, especially the brands that have a strong off Amazon presence or like those things happened a lot more, com a lot more commonly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And some of them, you know, you can't predict, um, you know, when you don't have any hands or eyes on that. Uh, but you know, in other cases, it's something that there should be coordination. Otherwise, you know, you're, you're spending, and I'm sure, you know, to get these spots, they're spending money. So you're, you're actually the, when we talk about profitability, we know that a stock out is expensive. We know, you know, if you have to air freight or, you know, express ship, if you have, you know, you're, you're stocked out, if you have to do any re-ranking, but the part that people don't really factor in is that all the money that you spent on that advertising to lead yourself into a stock out is the other, um, opportunity the other cost. Part of the yeah. equation. Yeah. Yeah. And you're missing out on potential sales. Um, the ROI goes up for each sale that did come through, through that marketing, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, or down, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. What were the other two? Run me through the other two opportunities. Yeah. Um, the, just not being able to see what was going on in the, uh, in the formula. It's not being customizable, kind of a, a black box. Uh, if okay. you yeah. So meaning we don't know how Amazon's seeing our inventory, if it's good, if it's bad, if we're, we're too low, like, you know, there's the IPI health and different things like that, but that's very high level. Yeah. Right? And, and, you know, you've got these, these people who build this software and they say, okay, we've got a bunch of, you know, statisticians and they're extremely smart and they're smarter than you are. And they're going to tell you the magic number and you're going to just trust the magic number. But of course, you know, in the, you know, in our businesses, we don't, we want to know what are the factors, what are the variables that tell me that I need to order 5,000 units? If you can't tell me that, whether it's right or it's not, I'm not going to trust it. And that was kind of what we're, what we're getting feedback on. Uh, that's how I felt. And then we just, you know, verified that with 
with the other sellers in the market that they really want to know they want to know what the what's behind the formula and they also want to be able to customize it they want to be able to you know tweak it for not just a cat on a catalog level but on a you know sometimes on a, a SKU level okay and and there was a third one so we had we had um marketing built in uh-huh. we had the ability to see what's happening in the algorithm uh-huh. and what was the third opportunity i think it was the customization okay so yeah. what does that mean what does that mean for me i i don't understand what that means either as far as being able to customize what goes in yeah so um so you have data but is that data being looked at properly uh you know are you know does it make sense if you've got prime day for example Prime Day has a huge spike. And then if you're looking at the next 30 days or 60 days, it's going to be um, thrown off by that huge spike or a stock yeah. out. So these are things that as a baseline, you need to get your, we call it daily adjusted velocity because it's okay. adjusted for sales spikes and stock outs. It can even be adjusted for deep discounts to find that actual, what is your, your true velocity, you know? So that's, that makes, so that makes so much more sense to me now because thinking about, okay, like even the whole year of 2022 was kind of like that, right? Uh, because of how 2021 went, um, you know, pandemic, 2021, 2022, how are we predicting stuff? We know that there was like crazy demand and spikes and, um, or if you're launching a brand doesn't have a lot of sales history, you get a big push at the beginning, but that's not what's going to happen, you know? in perpetuity. Um, okay. So that's making a lot more sense in regards to the custom and being able to say that's an exception. Mm-hmm. What's our norm. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and being able to, you know, um, manual override, you know, set a manual over it, say, you know what, I'm launching a product. I want to start at 10 units a day, or, you know, I don't have any sales data or that sales data, you know, is garbage for whatever reason. Um, and then also being able to add your marketing plans. Are you going to, uh, you know, be running a PPC campaign that's going to get you a, an extra 10% lift? Uh, do you have lightning deals coming up? So just the information that's being put into, that's being pulled in from Amazon is not enough to properly forecast unless you're basically just sitting there, you know, you're going to run no promotions and you're going to push in no direction. Right. It has no insights. I love that. Thank you for explaining that. It makes a lot of sense to me and hopefully for our listeners too. Um, Okay. So, so so stock comes about, you are like, these are the opportunities I want to build. I don't see that anything else is there. Um, You jumped in. Uh, That was what year? 2017? 2018. Yeah. Beginning of 2018. Yeah. Okay. So never had conquered a a programming project before. And you're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump in. Um, from 2018 to join the carbon six family, um, what was that like? Yeah. Um, so we bootstrapped everything. I, I knew that I didn't know anything about, you know, I knew Excel, I could build something in Excel and I had an idea that I could, you know, do something if I had someone. So I decided that I was just going to have to meet someone who would want to partner with me. Um, two weeks after making that decision, I met my business partner at a really tiny Amazon event out in Sugarland, Texas, right outside of Houston. And I had heard of his software. He, I don't know if you remember Thomason back in 2015. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he, he's one of the co-founders of Thomason and um, we hit it off and he kept saying, I'm so bored. I need a new SaaS project. 
and I'm like, hey, I got an idea for you. And, you know, and finally, uh, with the help of my husband, Ari, convinced him like, no, I want I don't want to just give you this idea. I want to do this idea with you because he wasn't interested in, you know, going and, and doing something. I mean, they probably wouldn't have been able to do what they did without someone inside of the community um, really pushing and, and teaching and all of that. So we just we met and, you know, for whatever reason, they decided to throw a bunch of money into it with me. And, you know, we uh, we launched in 2019 in, in July of 2019. OK, awesome. Good timing, uh, you know, I think to be set up for that. Um, and now you've joined the Carbon Six family, which I know brings a ton of value in regards to just the other founders there, being able to share information, share development tech, sh- share software stack and really grow things up. Um, we've spoke on the same stage a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've really seen, you know, so stocks just growing into uh, a powerhouse. Um, let's spend the rest, you know, we've got about 10 minutes or so. Let's spend the rest of the uh, of the podcast kind of talking about, um, you know, we know what so stocked is, um, you know, what are some of the things to think around, think about around um, supply chain, inventory management, um, you know, with these rising fees, uh, inventory limits, everything's getting harder. I think that's when everything gets harder, you just, we need better tools to help yeah. us, um, you know, accommodate that. Uh, it's not that it becomes impossible. It's simply now there's more to handle that I can just do in an Excel sheet. Uh, for example, all these little nuanced things matter. I got to know where my fees are, what to pay attention to, what opportunities to look for. Um, What are a few you would share, you know, with any listeners going into 2023 that are important? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's important to think differently about business nowadays. It's not as easy. The margins are slimmer. Uh, So I, I'm a big proponent of doing the hard work. The, the stuff that's going to take a, is a, is a, heavy lift. Like you have, you know, light lifts, like reimbursements is one of those light lifts. Um, you know, you send your account to someone and they, they do it for you. PPC, you know, reducing the budget on PPC is one that people go to, you know, pretty quickly. They try to negotiate prices with their suppliers, those types of things. But there are more time intensive things that, that should be being done to really completely overhaul your PL. Um, I like to call it profit optimization across the supply chain. There are things that people can do. So it's, it's, it's two sides. One, you need to really understand your numbers. I think a lot of people think they understand their numbers, but they don't fully grasp uh, what is referred to as unit economics, true unit economics. You know, what, what is that money that you are um, actually spending? Not just the landed costs, but to get that, that those units sold, what did each unit cost you? So I'd say that, and then, you know, and then on the other side, knowing how to leverage your supply chain in the right ways. Okay, so let's get a couple of tips there. So someone's trying to, someone's got a business, um, they know that their unit economics need to be dialed in, or they know that, um, you know, they, they need to look for profit optimization across the board, whether you're in an agency service based or product based, you have products, right. And services, um, where, where did someone get started? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for an inventory based business, you know, smaller is always better. Um, if you can make something smaller or you can make less of something then you're going to pay less for it. So, uh, for example, if you had, you know, the same order size, but you had 
less pallets or you had less uh, cartons, that would be great because every time you have a carton and it gets a label slapped on it, you're going to pay for that. So if you can cut your carton, you know, your cartons in, you know, by a third, for example, that's going to save you money. So every single unit that you're paying for is going to cost you uh, less money for those carton labeling fees. So that's kind of the, the, the example. Um, we have a free tool called a, a carton pallet optimizer. And that looks at uh, your unit size and your pallet dimensions. And it reverse engineers it to figure out how to get as many units per pallet and as many units per, per carton as possible within, uh, within restrictions that, that Amazon imposes and within restrictions of, you know, pallet um, guidelines. No, it's huge. And I know that there's, there's all types of things like what kind of packaging you're using and is it hassle-free packaging or is it eco-friendly? Um, you know, and obviously the tried and true uh, e-commerce, Amazon strategy of kitting and bundling and variety packs. And, yeah. um, you know, how do you get added marketing materials in there per terms of service and, uh, you know, all of the ways essentially that you're cutting, you're cutting down on costs. Um, for us, like Marknology has a um, a warehouse uh, and fulfillment center as well, just for the brands we're building internally. Um, it's so important to be able to have your hands on those types of things and just be be controlling it all the way down to to the last label, the last ten cent sticker, or yeah. you know whatever it is. Um, okay, I love that. And um, so, okay, so we talked about you know economics and, and these kinds of things, and then like, wh what is the software? How can the software help sellers accomplish this? Yeah. Um Part of, I mean, you know, why I started this whole thing was that when you stock out, you're ob it's off obviously costing you money. When you overstock, it's costing you money, especially now. The fees are really crazy now. The, the new 2023 fees um, have just gotten to be pretty, you know, pretty unfavorable. So it, there's a, a very strong message that Amazon's sending, which is, you know, increase your sell through, increase that, that inventory turnover. So starting to think, you know, starting to think with that and then to come up with a strategy to have inventory and marketing work together to start to avoid stockouts and reduce the overstocking. So we do things like, you know, you should have a stockout risk report. What are those items that are going to stock out? Uh, a slow sellers report which should be kind of a range between, you know, let's say if for a specific catalog between five and 20 a day, it's not the worst products, but it's really, it could use some help. And then you have yeah. liquidation products, which is, you know, something that is just selling so slowly that it doesn't make sense to, you know, if you had to buy, you know, the MOQ was going to cost you five months worth of inventory, something like that. Um, and then overstock, which could be slow sellers, but it could also be best sellers. If those reports are being consistently sent to the marketing team and the marketing team becomes more profit focused, they realize that the faster they turn through that inventory, the uh, the better the profit is going to be. I love it. That was actually great insight. Um, and, and, and part of the reason like I built Marknology to be full service was... Um, 
you need all these things to have a successful business on Amazon. You have to be knowledgeable in the warehouse and your supply chain, your inventory management, your marketing, your PPC, your lightning deals, your off Amazon efforts, your your influencers, your affiliate marketing, um, all the way down to your operations of getting the products out the door, following up with customers, refunds, returns, um, every single area. And and the the point you brought up about you know, you're, let's say you're so stocked or your warehouse or inventory team sending those reports to your, let's say PPC team to even know, Hey, should we dial up ad spend on, on some of these ASINs to get product, you know, move through versus just looking at an ACOS or tacos target, right. huge difference in strategy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it really can drive that, you know, if you're like, look uh, on these products, we're, we're barely above break even on these we're like our profits amazing. And you're seeing that our, or, or inventory is getting low pull off PPC here and, and move it over here. Uh-huh. Um, which like, if you're just looking at it from an advertising perspective, might not make sense yeah. because these are, these are doing better in the green. Uh, but when you understand supply chain and supply and demand and what's happening uh, in the back of house, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, you can make those adjustments on the fly and ultimately run a better business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. As we round out, uh-huh. um, what's something you're working on within so stocked that you're excited about uh-huh. uh, this year? And then what's something that you're working on um, as Chelsea that yeah. you're excited about this yeah. year? Cool. Um, so, yeah, so we are very focused on profit right now. Um, we've got some, some integrations. We've got an integration with NetSuite that's going to be coming for, for agencies and aggregators. Uh, but my, my big passion is the profit side of things really understanding we're, we're going to be launching in the next week or so uh, some columns for uh, overstock so that you can see based on your sales, you know, your current sales velocity and your FBA inventory, what, what liabilities do you have? If you don't change anything, how much is it going to cost you for each SKU? Which SKUs should you be focused on? Because they're going to be, you know, it, costing you a bunch of money because we've got the new age inventory fee, which starts at six months. You've got, um, you know, the monthly fees. And I actually did a, a calculation every single month. You multiply, if you have, let's say you're paying 50 cents per month for a single unit, every month you can multiply that by a half, uh, one half. So, you know, month two, you're paying one and a half times that monthly fee month three you're paying two months that monthly fee on average for the entire order so it's it's something where you start to understand you know that's part of the true unit economics if you standardly keep uh you know four months worth of inventory then you've got to multiply that by you know 2.5 and that's what you're paying on a monthly basis um and then you know that's not even touching if you you know keep it in for six months plus where yeah, Amazon does not want you storing inventory there for four months. They want 45 days at most. It feels like, you know, 34 days. If you can run perfectly, that's what they want. They want sure. you to have, you know, 30 days worth of inventory there. They don't want to be everyone's uh, storage facility. Yeah. And I, I understand that because they're making, they're just making leaps and bounds more money when they're fulfilling your product than when it's sitting there. Yeah. Um, someone running a warehouse, myself, like we don't make money storing product. We make money fulfilling product. Yeah. You know, so, um, when you understand what Amazon's trying to do, and they did that with Vendor Central first, 
pushed everyone to Seller Central, made it a little bit easier to get to Seller Central and got rid of all those crap products on Vendor Central. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that, that they couldn't realize, can't realize a profit, I think. Um, and then now what they're doing is in retrospect, in my opinion, making everyone at Seller Central get better at their job, yeah. and better operations. And so um, figuring out where they make money and, and it, in doing so and following Amazon's lead, uh, what I do believe is that it can be frustrating and annoying and hard, but we get better businesses by by changing to operate that way. And I don't just mean more, maybe less profitable businesses, but m- more of a fine tuned machine because you just have to be running a, a well oiled machine to really, you know, to be really making money. And um, and to me, that was that comes down to like, look, you can't send half a container to Amazon anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you need a 3PL, you need a fulfillment center. Um, and one way to doing that is having FBM dialed in and, and plugged in and ready to go um, so that you're not overstocking on the FBA side. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a lot of nuance to it. Um, and, and then lastly, what's something you're working on that you're excited about this year? What am I working on? Um, I've, I've taken the time to really start to develop hobbies, uh, reading, um, doing more, a little bit more writing and just focusing on, cause I would come on these podcasts and people would ask me, you know, what, what my hobbies are. And I was like, well, you know, I like chopping vegetables when I cook food, <laughs> like, you know? And so I've been really, you know, I stopped telling myself that I don't have time for certain things and, and make the time for, uh, you know, for reading and for writing and, uh, gardening and that sort of thing. I love that. I think it's super healthy and um, something I'm trying to trying to do as well. I think last year for me, it was like this huge milestone, but I read like 16 books last year. Well, yeah. they weren't all business books. They were like, you know, mental health and some fiction. And, um, you know, for me, I just hadn't I hadn't taken the time to, to read that much in a very long time uh-huh. and uh, just found you know, it was therapeutic, you know, when, when you're running a business and you're thinking numbers and like finance all this, all the time to like, mm-hmm. where are we finding some source of inspiration? And, yeah. um, you know, but for me, for the longest time, the community stuff, these were all my hobbies too. Mm-hmm. Like the, if yeah. they weren't making me money, so they were, they were very much <laughs> hobbies and like, right. you know, community driven, just a different kind of community around business. So, mm-hmm. um, Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and your story on the show. Um, this is our first time to actually get to know each other, but we've seen each other in passing quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome to see like uh, so stocked, like what you've been able to accomplish in such a short time. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Hustlers, for tuning in. Shout out again to our sponsor, Fullscale.io. Uh, do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Let Fullscale help. When you visit Fullscale.io, All you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with fully vetted, high experienced team of software engineers, testers, and leaders. At Fullscale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. If you're like Chelsea and jumping in and needing a software partner uh, and don't find one in the community, fullscale.io is a great place to start and and find somebody to to join your team. Chelsea, thanks again for your time. Of course, thank you. We'll see you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.